oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, what it do? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast. Uh, we are here with our brand new co-host. Uh, I already said, if, in case you missed it on Twitter, John MLB Moving Averages has moved on to FTN. That's what he does on a daily basis, daily sports betting. So, you know, that's his wheelhouse and he's moving on to do that on a daily basis. Uh, go congratulate him on Twitter. But we're here to talk about the new co-hosts. Joining me, as always, I'm your host, Matt Williams. Uh, both from rotofanatic.com, Mr. First, Mr. Jeff Zimmerman, who doesn't really need an introduction, but you know, we'll give him anyway. You'll know him from fan graphs. He has the he's the author of the process. Uh, maybe the most useful article in all of fantasy baseball. Uh, you know, um, the uh, oh, I, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm even coming uh, mining the news, which is absolute must read. Jeff uh, will be on for uh, pretty regularly now. So, Jeff, welcome to uh, welcome to turn two. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be on and. Um it's nice to be talking baseball a couple times every week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also uh, joining the show as a, as a regular co-host is Mr. Chris Clegg. You know him. I wrote a fanatic. He's over at Fantrax. Uh, also does some work over uh, roster world. I actually, what is the official name? I know the Twitter handles are roster worldwide or like what, what prospects what is, worldwide prospects worldwide. No yeah. offense. No offense. Sorry. I, you know, I mess, up, <laughs> I mess up stuff all the time, but uh, Chris, yeah, welcome. Uh, it's going to be great to have you on a regular, yeah. other than you're a Braves fan. That's, that's a red <laughs> X, but uh, over than that, glad to have you. Yeah, thank you so much, man. It's a privilege to be on with you guys. I'm excited, again, like Jeff said, just to talk some baseball on a regular basis. Glad that we'll have that coming back in, in a week or so. So hopefully get the season rolling and have plenty of baseball talk. How do you guys, before we dive in, to, today we're going to kind of uh, go through some some recent news and notes and how we feel about them. Before we get into that, how do you guys feel about the season? Because I am typically like a blind optimist. But I gotta say, I got I got hit hard by the rant. Honestly, it's funny. All this stuff that's happened hasn't wavered my optimism until I saw that random workers for the Astros um, were. Right, I think like they were around someone who could have had COVID, and then they shut down production pretty much there. And I was thinking, you know, if they can't get a handle on this, how is this going to go? Because this is something that is going to happen consistently. Uh, testing the players, you know, every day, 24 hours, if they get that going, I think that's a good process. Uh, and, you know, that's the best they can do. But if they're going to be shutting down anytime something like this happens, I mean, you just you just can't, right? I mean, it, it's going to happen or it's going to ruin the league. Or, you, I mean, how do you feel about kind of what happened in Houston? Because I feel like people being around someone who could have been around COVID. I mean, that, that stuff's going to happen. Like no matter what, it's like almost unavoidable unless you're going to be like Toronto, which we'll get into where they're going to try to find you double your salary for going outside. Um, I think as a, I think it's going to be tough um, in that just with like the testing, what if they skip some team doesn't get tested are is it going to be like where the A's are like, well, we just can't play or until it comes in later. I mean, I kind of wonder if they're like going to have like morning games 
planned and it's like, all right, everyone's tested, everyone's good. So they have the option to wait later. Like I, I think it's going to be a mess with possibly double headers. I don't know how they going to deal with that. And they haven't said anything. So that's kind of one of my biggest worries is just even with the testing, not even being around, like if they just don't get it in, what are they going to do? And another issue that kind of made me want to pause is follow the Royals close where all their catchers ended up with it with COVID right now mm-hmm. or have been exposed. And I kind of wonder if like if catchers are going to be an issue where they have an umpire breathing on them, where they have every batter breathing on them. Like they're all in that close space that they're going to be the ones get exposed and that's going to kind of be a problem for teams. So um I guess they'll wear a mask under their mask. I know yeah, one thing that was concerning when they brought out the Phillies, when they brought out the, when everyone announced their initial, when they were supposed to do the 60 man and everyone had like 40 men, like Baltimore and people were freaking out, but the Phillies only had two catchers initially. <laughs> and I was like, how was, how is this going to go? They've obviously added catchers since then, but yeah, it's a good point about the catchers. And I kind of wonder if, if at some point they're going to have traveling catchers, like um, for teams like with the 26 man, it's like, all right, you've got, that they're going to have like 28 man with a couple extra catchers. Like you can be able to take them just so they can have a catcher at the game. Yeah. But, but it's, yeah, they just lost all three of them. I mean, they're supposed to be back, but how does that, how do they kind of deal with that as they're definitely going to be the most exposed person out there on the field with everyone right there. And it's like, Oh, one batter on the other team came up. They tested positive for COVID. Who was he next? Oh, the catcher, you know, the first baseman does the other team lose both those players then until they get, you know, two negatives in a row. Hmm. Um, Maybe Whit Merrifield, he's played everywhere on the field except catcher. Maybe it's time we add that to his, uh, his, yeah. his, his position eligibility. <laughs> it, it's all these questions are like, and it's MLB. So they're going to answer it when it comes up. There's going to be no forward planning on their part. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this? I know. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot here. I mean, do you think there's a chance that the, the season ends and not every game and not every team has played the same amount of games? That's my fear. I mean, it's, Definitely possible with everything going on, the way it's been handled. It's concerning. Um, I mean, I'm I'm an optimist. I was hopeful all offseason that we or after, I guess, the shutdown that we would get baseball back. And here we are. There seems to be a lot of flaws that are happening with the testing. I can't remember the player, but I remember one of the players um, that did test positive had played in the inter-squad game the night before and said he felt totally fine. They got the test results back the next morning and he was positive. So what happens in the regular season? Like, do we do we shut down? Does that team have to forfeit and quarantine? Like, you know, we don't have the answer. So it's hard to say. So it's going to be wacky and weird. Um, trying to, trying to turn knows. this away from like kind of a sad conversation and maybe an actionable one for fantasy because this would still be sad. But let's just say there's some circumstance where a series has to be canceled or postponed. Let's say it's two teams that are not – competing um you know like the the royals and the pirates uh you know they'll be playing each other this year or no 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 the right no, so the royals and the tigers uh you know something like that where in the end of the season where they might make them up because they're obviously you know unless they do double headers like you you know you said there's not gonna be many days off if they just announce these games aren't going to be played and you've like when you when you find out about that let's just say oh well we won't be making these up uh, it, it, you kind of have to move on from some players, right? I mean, if you find if you get the idea that someone's not going to be in a sixty game season, is going to be playing three or four less games, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about completely theoretical things here, but it's just another it's just another strategical thing you have to think about during this, like during the season. I mean, I don't know, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of creating scenarios out of thin air here. 
Well, I was thinking that last night is usually I did, um, did an online championship draft and I'm usually have very few hitters on my bench unless I'm trying to stream some, like it's like a plan. And usually I want a bunch of pitchers that I can go with matchups, but I was like with this scenario where you could be losing players or like a whole team, I'm almost thinking that I'm going to be wanting more hitters than I normally carry, maybe even three to four. Like I don't, and I, we don't know what that turnover is going to be, but I think that's one option this year that I'm I'm kind of struggling with. Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to. Yeah, hopefully they'll get a better a better. Uh, uh, I don't know. They'll hopefully they do the best they can do is trying to turn around the results, at least get consistent results. That the whole thing with Joey Gallo, positive, negative, positive, negative. But um, getting into the actual player news, let's start with the bullpen because there was a little a little bit of news out of the bullpen since the last time we were on the air. Aroldis Chapman down with uh, COVID. I think they said he actually does have some symptoms. Uh, so just starting out with the New York Yankees, do, is it Zach? Do you think Zach Britton is just kind of the go-to guy as the probably the natural step in line? He's obviously a lefty. Or does this probably just turn into a full-blown committee like most bullpens are probably going to turn into anyway? So if you were drafting today, where do you draft Chapman? Do you draft Chapman? And where do you uh, where do you go from there? Where would you slot in the first Yankee reliever as you know in regards to the ADP of the rest of the relieving like core? Um, Chapman's been going in this last weekend, even once the news came out, fairly high. He's once he's back, he's the guy. I think that there's no like oh there's there's some situations that the backup may end up just getting the job and they're not going to change, but I think he's going to do it. He's going to get it back. I think Britain is the choice right now, especially since they're even trying out their five-man infield. There's some tweets about that that they're working on since with Britain's high ground ball rate. Um, I was looking last night in the main events or all the drafts that happened last night. I think there was four or five of them. And Britain went anywhere between like picks 200 and 284. And I think if you pick Chapman, you have to have Britain as, as like a backup if you need some saves. So I think it's tough to take Chapman and then, you know, end up using like in a 15 team or your 12th round pick, 13th, 14th round pick for a backup, you know, closer. So it's a tough situation. I think people to be in um, going forward. How about you, Chris? I mean, like you said, uh, like, like Jeff was saying, he's going right now, like fifth, sixth round sometimes, uh, you know, currently still, yeah, it seems like it seems like most high end relievers you have to handcuff anyway. It, it, I mean, if you're getting Edwin Diaz, De- Valentin Batances, they announced his velocity, which usually starts out slow, is is in the mid 90s now. He seems like the guy to own there, you know, you know for what it's worth. Uh, but uh, yeah, what are you doing as far as those high end relievers, especially Chapman, and like you know, as far as your general strategy of handcuffing these guys? Yeah, I think in a season like this, you almost have to handcuff because we just don't know who could get COVID. I mean, midseason, any, any closer could get it and you've got to be ready. I mean, if, if you don't handcuff them, the, the fab on these guys is going to be obnoxious in a shortened season. I mean, players are going to be burning almost their entire fab budget to get the, the next guy. Um, with Chapman being diagnosed now, um, I know it's unlikely that he starts the season with the team on the, on the roster, but I don't think he misses too much time, but he probably is still going a little high. I think, I'm interested to see where the ADP adjusts over time. Brighton's or Britain's probably the de facto guy for now. I'm not totally sure. We could see. Know, it's, it's difficult, right? Because they have like them and the Dodgers. Like there's a couple yeah. teams. They've such a big pen that you know they can really move people around and do whatever they 
feel like. Yeah, it could be a, it could be a closure by committee there with with Ottavino and and Kane Lee. They're both solid pitchers with Brighton, and so. Which, by the way, Chris MLB Pods sent me over the uh, the pronunciation guide. Didn't know it was Canely. Uh, <laughs> I was this year's old. I yeah, thought it was Conley like forever. So, I had to look it up when best. I was doing my research. <laughs> Wasn't totally sure. Um, so another uh, piece of news for relievers that came out is Nick Anderson. Like you know, all the coaches, you can't you can't trust managers. They're going to say what they're going to say. They said Nick Anderson may not be the closer, which honestly, a lot of people thought that might be the case, regardless. But because we just talked about Chapman, if you draft Chapman and, and you feel like you absolutely have to draft Britain, why would you? If you can, if you're going to have to handcuff someone, why wouldn't you just get Nick Anderson and Diego Castillo, who probably are looking at the same likelihood of getting saves? You get two very solid relievers, just like you get in Chapman in Britain, uh, but you pay so much less. So I just don't understand if you are dead set on handcuffing your pitcher, why you would ever consider a top end guy. If you are again, this is if you are completely dead set on that. I mean, does, do you or you disagree? If you're not going to, that changes things. But I think if you're going out of your way, there's no way I'm getting Chapman. I, I will just go later. Um, yeah, I, you could definitely go later. And this, first of all, the news does not surprise me at all. Like the Rays bullpen is loaded. Um, you were just talking about the Yankees bullpen. The Rays have six guys. If you go to fan graphs that are projected for an ERA under 3.5, the Yankees only have three. The Red Sox have none. So <laughs> it's... It's it's a great bullpen. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I think I would. I think it's Nick Anderson as the closer. But they're going to be like, hey, if we got a tough situation, we're going to throw him out there, and we we're loaded. We're going to throw someone else out to get the save. I don't know if it's just going to be Castilla, but I, I think that there's many options in that bullpen. And um, with that home park, I, I think those are some of the guys that it's like if you need a streamer just to like you don't like the your starters for that week, you can just get one of those guys. It's such a nice bullpen. Chris, if you were going to go like these talented bullpens, I, I threw out Nick Anderson and Castillo because he seemed like the top two guys, both righties though. Do you think there's something to be said for trying to go righty lefty? Like obviously Chapman, Britain, Aaron Bummer, and um, blanking on the closer of Chicago right now. Colme. Uh, Colme. Uh, if you got Nick Anderson, would you want to automatically go Anderson Castillo? Or would you try to get cute, go with Anderson and Alvarado? Because with the three batter minimum, it's always a possibility. If you got yourself a left, a tough lefty, uh, and Nick, you know, Nick went the day before they may opt to go with Alvarado. You never know. Yeah. The concern there, I mean, the race used 11 guys to get saves last year. So they went all over the board. They they're deep. They've got a great bullpen. So it's hard to peg one specific down. So, I, mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, Anderson and Castillo are probably the, the best guys. I mean, Alvarado has shown to be good, but I mean, he dealt with some things last year, I think personally that kind of hurt him. So it could be a, any one of those guys, I think. So the lefty righty could be a, a positive way to go. In drafts, I've, I have been going the cheap route. I actually don't have too many Anderson Castillo, even though I threw that out there. I've been going more the, uh, I've been going more like the, the cheap Royals route where I go, where I go out and try to get Trevor Rosenthal to, to try to be cute there at the very, very end. Because like, it's amazing how early these closers are going. Uh, I know they threw out the the uh, NFBC championship uh, or the uh, main events where I think Hader went in the fourth and pretty much most of what was considered the safer options, um, like pretty much everyone heading up to Hansel Robles short of him was like gone by the end of like the sixth round in one of these drafts that they put out. I think, um, I think, I think the, 
can't remember who put it out, but um, yeah, they're just going so freaking early. So uh, are either of you moving up relievers really far up in your drafts because they'll be pitching probably a higher percentage of their team's starts, or are you still happy to shift in another direction and try to be later? The only thing I've changed, I always wanted to go late, but now I feel like I have to go a little early um, because I don't want anything to do with having to go constantly um uh, you know, in that fab bidding. Uh, but again, I'm not grabbing anyone up front. I think I like Jose Leclerc is a guy like maybe I try to grab, like that's kind of the tier where I, I want to make sure I get someone there and then I'll, you know, Joe Jimenez, Kila, and then, you know, go to my cheapos later. I don't um, want it. I'll go ahead. I said, I don't, I don't want to draft closers as early as they're going, but you almost have to, I mean, to, to compete in the saves category and in an FBC format, you, you have to grab them early and it stinks. Like I don't want to, pay that high of a draft price when there's hitters that I love the value that are going in the 50 to 70 range. And that seems to be where the high end closers are going. So I don't want to pay up, but it seems like I have to at least get one early. And then I'm looking at the back end, like you said, Matt, in the Jimenez and, and Kilo route that they seem like safe bets to get the majority of the team saves. It's funny though. Are they? Cause I love them in 162, but there's like, you're running a risk because over 162, there's always the Chad Cordero effect. Like when the Nat see Chad Cordero, when the nationals first became the nationals, he led the league in saves constantly and they were garbage, but that's over 162 games when a, a bad team will win so many games, probably by one or two runs. And he gets a lot of saves in 60 games. Some of these crappy teams might not see many wins period. And the league leader is going to have what? 15 saves at, you know, probably tops, that's like yeah. the tops. Right. Uh, so Jeff, like how are, how are you handling this? Are anything differently? Are you being more aggressive with the other uh, relievers? Um, I, I don't like how the value that they're going. And um, I'll just go back to my draft last night is I picked up Robles in the 12th and I was going to double up with, I like with Buttry that he is a nice backup. So that was kind of, I was going to kind of go the handcuff approach and then pick up another kind of sad, one of the lower guys, coming back around and it got gutted for me. I had, you know, I was in the middle and it was like Workman, Kennedy, Jimenez and Melanson all got taken. And really there was no one that was steady left, like, or had a job. I liked all those guys and they were all just gone. So um, that was like one problem with waiting. But if I'm in a standalone league, I'm a hundred percent possibly dumping saves. I have no problems doing that and just nailing the hitting categories and um, just going all in with them and seeing if someone else is possibly dumping saves and maybe grab a guy late just so we can compete. But I think that's a completely winning strategy with everyone pushing everyone else up is just pound the starters and the um, hitters and just win those categories. And this short season, you'll be able to differentiate, differentiate yourself in the strikeouts when everyone else is getting fewer strikeouts from their closers. Um, they might actually be getting the wins. Wins might be kind of an issue there, but it's just like if you can just distance yourself with everyone else and they don't really have a chance to come back. Like a lot of times you pad yourselves with the saves. I've done that with teams too. And it's just like, don't worry about them later. That's not really going to get the chance. So in a standalone league, I think if saves move up, just drop them and um, build your team around that. All right. Uh, a couple names. If you guys, not to put either of you on the spot, let's say you were punting saves, but at the very end, Maybe like who would be your number one guy? Like if you wanted to pick up someone just to not have a zero, like you said, maybe you're trying to compete with someone at the bottom. Who is your one guy? Like, you know, other people are trying to handcuff their guys still. So maybe like the Corinne Shacks are gone. 
Is there anyone that you're eyeing up as a, as a good option where maybe they can get you strikeouts, but maybe they'll get a few saves that you'll add to the end of your team just to not take a zero? Is like, you know, for anyone listening who's like really struggling, maybe they only have one closer and they want to grab someone else. Who is the guy that you're looking at? Like Scott Oberg seems interesting because the Rockies get no respect. Wade Davis, I think, lasts maybe a week. <laughs> So he 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 seems to go way way later than he should if he gets the job. But uh, I don't know who you guys like. Um, the Seattle pair isn't bad. You almost have to get them both, McGill or Hirano. I'm not sure who's going to have that job. Um, if you just want to kind of play it for a week, it looks like Helsey might be getting some saves in St. Louis, and um, that might be one. Pittsburgh, I'm pretty sure Kela Kela's not in camp yet. So looking at that one, maybe um, Birdie or Crick and. Um, the other one is you can see which one you can throw darts at is go with like the Rogers Watson. Like both of them don't seem to be getting any respect and just seeing which one of those stick. I think there's kind of like, there's these situations on bad teams and you might just have to grab them both at the end and it's at the end. So you're going to re- find someone that jumps up to replace. It's an easy replacement. You take the closer and you go find someone else. Chris, anyone different? The St. Louis situation is definitely interesting. <laughs> like do you yeah. take a shot on Hicks who's coming off Tommy John? Don't know what him. Carlos Martinez is, is a pretty good value at starting pitcher. If you grab him and he ends up being the closer where he goes, it probably ends up being a really good value, but yeah, what do you, <laughs> Hey, who, who do you like on St. Louis? <laughs> and yeah, what do you, what do you think in general? Yeah. Who knows in St. Louis? Uh, Hillsley's Hillsley seems like the guy right now, but yeah. it could go a lot of ways. Didn't the, um, manager, didn't the manager come out and say he was, didn't he kind of hint he was going to be like, the guy? In, in, inadvertently, he kind of said that, yeah. <laughs> um, Hunter Harvey, I'm not sure how late he's going now. They mentioned something about Givens yesterday, but I'm just not sure that – I don't know. I, I actually Harvey's don't mind Givens. Better. His numbers last year, if you look, he, he, he was a little homer happy at Camden yeah. Yards, but his underlying numbers actually weren't too terrible. But, you know, we, we mentioned earlier, it's the Orioles. Maybe they, yeah. win, maybe <laughs> they win three games. Right. They're, <laughs> they're both guys that could get some saves. Um, so those are possibilities. Uh, looking at it, Kevin Ginkle's a guy in Arizona that I like to handcuff Bradley. I mean, will Bradley be the closer all season? I don't know. So Ginkle's going pretty late. I mean, undrafted in a lot of drafts. So get him. Um, and like uh, like Jeff said, there's I mean, he hit on most of the guys that are that are kind of worthy there to be picked. So put on a blindfold, throw a dart, and, uh, <laughs> and be prepared to cut up. Cut yeah. the uh, moving over into some actual player news. Uh, staying in the uh, American League East, we were talking about. Um, we're talking about the Yankees here. Baltimore. Um, John Means. They, he actually they said his uh, velocity on his fastball is up quite a bit, which is nice because he, for someone with a a pretty mediocre fastball last year, he had really good secondary stuff between. Uh, you know, with his change up and his curveball, uh, is a velocity gain on a fastball could mean big things for him. He's going to be the opening day starter, which means he's going to get a lot of innings this year. Um, and he already was pretty good at limiting hard contact. I don't know if this will maybe, you know, because usually a velocity gain across the board is going to help you. It's going to help your, it's going to help your fastball, which is going to help your secondary stuff. But who knows? Maybe the, uh, maybe the hard contact was due to the fa- the fastball being so slow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I would assume this is good. He's going about as late as you can in drafts. Uh, any interest in John means with the news of the velocity gain, because, you know, innings pitched are a thing and he should be getting a lot of them for Baltimore. Yeah. He's, oh. he's a guy I've been buying into. I really liked what he has to offer. And then you see this news. He's looking about a two mile an hour gain on his fastball. Um, he was averaging 91, seven last season. They say he was pretty consistently 93, 94 in the inter squad game, which looked good. 
he already get a, he gets a high spin rate on that fastball, and so adding that velocity helps a ton. And like you mentioned, he's got good secondaries to go with it. I'd been doing a little research and some um, hard minus soft contact for pitchers, and Means was high up in that list. So he's he's good at limiting hard contact and also um, de- and inducing soft contact. So he's a guy that he's worth the risk. I mean, his ADP is so low; it it's not doesn't really matter. I mean, if he's bad, you cut him. But he could be a good value where he's going. Yeah, there's a lot to kind of unwrap here. First of all, like with the tweet, they're talking about his velocity. His starter velocity was actually down because he was in the bullpen for a while. So actually, it looks a little bit better. But then also, when he was good in the first half, he was throwing harder. Like he kind of started with his starter velocity and he couldn't keep it up. So almost by the end of the season, he was like around 91, maybe not even that average in. So that's kind of possibly part of his fall off and kind of worries me if he can keep this gains up because he couldn't keep it last year. Now, if he does keep it up, um, I've got a little tool that can actually determine how much swinging strike rate he gets for each of his velocities. And when he was at 93 last year, he had a 12% swinging strike rate, which is Great. If that's what he's throwing, even if he averages 93, um, he's looking a lot better, a lot more interesting. I think he would be almost a must draft if he wasn't on the Orioles. It's like, do you really want to start him at home against almost any team? That's a tough call. I think what you have to do is really look at the schedule and see when his spots in the rotation are and see if you can actually find some gains that you can use him at. And, you know, he might be up against a weak pitcher or maybe at um, Tampa where he's got a good stadium. So I think he's more of a streaming option just because of all those home games against teams with just loaded offenses. Uh, How about Yasiel Puig? There's uh, some rumors that he'll be possibly joining Baltimore. We were talking a little bit before the show, Anthony Santander, DL Stewart. They haven't shown up yet. uh, So Yasiel Puig, there was a lot of people were hoping that there was originally new rumors that he was going to San Francisco. Uh, That never happened. Uh, um, People were kept hoping he'd land in Colorado, which probably would have been a nightmare that Matt Kemp is now uh, embodying. But uh, Puig in Baltimore, he does a lot of his damage to left center. And we just put up a lot of our our own park factors up on Rotofanatic. And anyway, if you haven't read them, go to Rotofanatic.com and check out the park factors for Camden Yards is uh, obviously just a good place to hit in general. But left center, uh, as far as home run directional park factor, that is a great place to hit. And it will be for most right-handed hitters. But Puig, this should be a wonderful place as it is an obvious place for him to hit. It really is a great place for Puig to be. So two questions. One, why did no one else want him? (laughs) My original thing I was talking online is like, all right, it'll be good once they maybe they probably signed him just to trade him. But nobody wants him. So obviously if if he performs – they can probably trade him. And if he stinks, who cares? It's probably, it's a one-year prorated deal. He probably makes nothing. They they can even release him. Uh, but any excitement here for Puig heading to Baltimore? Um, yes, if he signs. it's definitely would be interesting. The one thing I had talked to some people in the industry on why Puig hadn't signed, he is wanting just like crazy contract, multiple years, and just no team's willing to do it. Um, he's trying to get some kind of multi-year deal and every team's like, no, we need to see, have, have you act decent before we do this? <laughs> like, and so that's the problem with him signing. It's all on him. Him and his agent are the issue is why he has not signed. Um, it would be great in Baltimore. There's a team we're going to talk about later, the Blue Jays. I think he would fit great in as their DH. Like 
or even like cycle through their outfield. I think he has great places he could go, but all these teams have already set, you know, set their rosters for the year. They're just going to make someone mad unless someone really gets hurt. I think that's where he gets plugged in. But the reason he didn't sign is all on him. Chris, any interest here? Uh, I, earlier, it seemed when the offseason first started, he was getting no discount. He's going like near the top 100. And then there got to a period where he was borderline not being drafted, period, uh, in like 12-team format. So where does he land for you right now? Again, it's just so dependent on whether he signs. If he signs in Baltimore, he's let's a say good Let's fit. say you're drafted today. You're drafted today. Where who would you who would you rather have um, him or God? I'm trying to come up with a, a good example. Uh, I do not have one. <laughs> if I'm drafting today, I'm probably avoiding them. Honestly, yes. Yeah. I'm not. I can't take the risk. I mean, I know his ADP's dropped, but there's still value to be had where where he's going. Um, I don't. Is there have him or Brett, Brett Gardner? Probably Garner. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just the concerns of, I mean, if he signs, I mean, obviously he's, he's a value, but there's so many issues and concerns like Jeff mentioned, like he, he should have already been signed. He's a good enough ball player to, to be on a team and start for a team. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's underlying issues as to why he hasn't, if he does sign, then I'll probably jump back in on him because especially if it's in Camden, he's man, he can just mash balls out there and he's offered. I mean, he's a good power speed combo. And so he's going to play every day in Baltimore. They don't have the guys, so he, he's going to return a good value most likely. But it, as of today, I, I'm just not sure I can get in on him if he hasn't signed. Jeff, you were drafting today. You like him or Brett Gardner? Um, neither, but probably Gardner. <laughs> I'm going to take it. Probably, so guys, like around that area, I'd probably like to have Mark Hanna. Um, yeah, that's a good one. There's um, Brian Braun is kind of dropping to that level. Hunter Dozier. Um, I'm just not a Gardner. Like it was kind of a bad one, but even David Peralta, it's almost. Well, I tried throwing out Gardner because he was flawed. The area he's going now, I actually don't like anyone. I I, I like everyone over him. I like Canna. I like um. I like Dozier. I like Braun a lot actually with the DH. So yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in in Puig where he's currently going at all. <laughs> um. Jeff mentioned we're going to talk about the Blue Jays now. Who's haven't heard? I wish I. You know what? I want to get the I want to get the exact stats up here for the fine, the information. If anyone hasn't seen the Blue Jays, obviously um, there was something going on as far as the you know the COVID nineteen where they were looking to maybe not even be playing in, in uh, Toronto because in Canada kind of has their own restrictions. Um, they were you know looking and still looking into maybe playing in Buffalo. We'll see where that goes. It looks like to kind of be picking up, but the news came out that uh, per sources that if uh, the you know the players there because there's a hotel within Rogers Center you were staying there if you were caught outside you would get a $750,000 fine and potential jail time which one why would you not opt out to give everyone a perspective a $750,000 fine Bo Bichette makes 570,000 a year which is ridiculous on its own but that's not prorated prorated he's only making 210 Biggio 213, Vlad 214. So you're asking these guys to, you know, go play when they could possibly risk having to, you know, play for three years just to pay off their fine. It's just so utterly ridiculous. I mean, there's no way. If you had to play, would would either of you not? I mean, how can you not opt out? This is so crazy. Yeah. The, um, no, it's, it's just stupid. And, um, it's Travis Shaw went off on it. And I can understand, like, he got his apartment nearby that he could go stay at. And it was actually like really close. He was being smart about it. And then this comes up and like, they didn't tell anyone about it again. 
on par for MLB, um, just not letting anyone know. So this is going to change. This is just completely stupid. And um, but I, I feel like it's going to be like a homer, like um, some kind of work release program where it's like if you're not at the park, you could only have to walk this path to your house <laughs> or all this stupid stuff. And it's like this isn't going to last long. I, I think they'll be playing in the state soon. If anything like this stays up. Yeah, it looks like they're moving towards moving to Baltimore. But um, in, in in more uh, normal news on the Blue Jays, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. looks like he's going to be playing first base. We all assume that would be happening at some point. He's not the gre- greatest third baseman, but we, I don't think anyone thought it was coming this soon. And it, it doesn't seem like it's a rumor. It seems like it's something they're just flat out doing and doing immediately, uh, moving Travis Shaw to third. Um, what are the, So does this change your value as far as – I guess it has more dynasty – implications because this year nothing else vladimir guerrero goes from third base to third base uh first base depending on how many games your league is going if it's 10 you know you still have to wait a little bit but still you know it's a shallow position so it gives vlad in my opinion a little more value where i'm a a little more interested here but um in general uh what are your guys takeaway i guess i'll start with you chris uh what is your main takeaway here from vlad moving to first yeah like you said it was it's expected it was a little earlier than expected I do think it boosts his value um, because third base is very deep um, from a fantasy perspective. And in Dynasty, I'm not sure how much it actually boosts his value because he's already crazy valuable in Dynasty. He still goes in most startups and at least the top 20 in drafts, if not top 15 or, or higher. So it's hard to say, like for this year, like you said, <clears throat> when he will <clears throat> excuse me, gain the position eligibility. Um, so for how long? he'll actually have that. It's likely he'll gain it this year. So there is a value increase for 2020, I think. Um, but for dynasty leagues, I'm not sure how much more it can boost him because he's, he's already going so high and so valuable there. Yeah. The one boost I will say for this year is with all the possible injuries or people heading to the IL is he does give you a little bit of flexibility. Um, so that, I think that that's actually nice. If you, even if you get a first baseman later, like, um, Hosmer and like a regular third baseman, you can put Vlad in at middle and be able to move him around or utility. So I think that gives him a little bit of boost this year. The big gainer, in my opinion, is Travis Shaw. The Blue Jays like what they saw. They want him in the, you know, to hit every day. So they feel comfortable with him. I think there was some issues, you know, people might have thought with the playing time, but I think maybe some of the changes that he undid, like he made a bunch of changes last year. They didn't work. It just, um, kind of just killed his value that I think everything looks good. And like with this change, I think it's more of a thumbs up to Shaw and um, I'm kind of move him up my ranks a lot. Uh, still staying so much news out of the, uh, the American league East Aaron judge. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can get into the timeline off the top of my head. Basically he had a, uh, he had an injury with his ribs at the end of September. No one really knew about it because it was a minor thing. And we kind of rolled into spring training not really thinking anything was wrong. At the very beginning of spring training, they said that this uh, this did aggravate him and he was going to be shut down. And then not even a couple weeks later, they said he's fine, he's moving along, he's going to be ready to go. Then they announced he had a collapsed lung to go along with the uh, the injured rib, which again was a minor injury. And then he says he's optimistic. And then you know he's not going to be ready for opening day. Then he gets the delayed start with the COVID. They said he's going to be absolutely fine to come back whenever we come back. Then we find out there's a big setback. And now he comes and he's only hitting off of a tee the beginning of July. And then he's improving. And now he's out with a stiff neck. Stiff neck is obviously you know not really 
not really anything in comparison, but is Aaron judge injury prone? Is this cause there's a thing where a lot of these are unrelated. So how do you feel about people that are injury prone, meaning they keep getting the same injury, but then there's injury prone people like rich Harden or AJ Pollock, where I don't know if you want to use the word cursed, but you know, some people just have a tendency to get injured more than others. And Aaron judge or the Yankees medical staff, some people like to blame them. There just seems to be a trend here that's really hard to trust, at least especially in the immediate future, because there doesn't appear to be a big discount in Aaron Judge. So Jeff, is he someone you're investing in? Because man, it seems he seems like such an interesting target in 60 games, but he is like snake bit with a, with this crazy timeline of really, it's like he it's like he's playing for the Mets or something. Yeah, I don't trust Judge and the Yankees medical staff on this. I don't think either one are up to par on what they need to be doing. And um, just looking yesterday, like this news is could have came out. He was going at pick 56 in the drafts that went down. Um, that's just way too high. I mean, Chris Bryant's going around him. Like, I think that there's just great options that you can have and maybe judge the whole injury bit. He may get over it, but we need someone to play this year. It just doesn't seem like he's healthy and you can't be having a guy that's like, sitting a few games here or there that you wasted or used a high pick on. So I would just have to have a decent discount on him before I would um, roster him. So as a, my fourth rounder, fifth rounder, someone that just needs a lot of power, I think you can find someone else that just adds that element to your game. You get Matt Olson or someone like that, that's just going to hit home runs. So until he shows that he's healthy, I'm just not interested. Chris, any interest from you? No, not at all. Um, how, about, how, like about said, his counter, how about his counterpart too, Giancarlo Stanton? Uh, I want to like Giancarlo Stanton, man. He's he, he's got the upside, obviously, and it seems like he's he's healthy for this season. But again, it's hard to trust, man. Like you said, the Yankees medical staff and and both those guys. I mean, they're just big guys, and they seem injury prone. Judge, I don't know. It just there's there's more power options across the board that you can get. So. The risk in the shortened season, obviously, a lot of people will say, well, there's a smaller chance for them to get injured, which is true. But at the same time, here they are getting injured in, in inter-squad games and in practice. And if you miss games in 60-game season, then you're missing a significant chunk of time. So it's hard to hard to put that draft in knowing that the risk is there and knowing that he could really derail your team putting that kind of pick on him. And it's, it's, it's really harder for, like again, the guys with power and no speed because they, there's a lot of, it's, it's easier to make up that ground elsewhere where, you know, I mean, really, I'll go really, I mean, Randall Grichek, I mean, in a 60 game season, obviously Aaron judge would going to be a better bet if he is healthy, but if he's not healthy, what is, if he misses a, a game here or there, what is the real difference in the end? If, if Grichek obviously could, you know, completely saddle you with a terrible batting average, but again, 60 games batting average can be very variant. There may not be a gigantic difference where, I mean, the, the difference between certain player you can get in that, you know, that gap of ADP uh, and other, you know, try to get stolen bases or something is a, or stolen or a starting pitcher, a closer. There's so many different ways you can fill that. It's just, yeah, home runs are a little easier to come by. Um, in the American League Central, they said uh, Francisco Lindor will be batting third for the Cleveland Indians. Cesar Hernandez, they, this was hinted back in spring training. They said that Cesar Hernandez made lead off, which sucks for someone with a lot of Oscar Mercado shares. Uh, but he, he like Luis Arias, uh, he, he's, this is someone whose lineup position would pretty much completely control what their value is. Cesar Hernandez is a guy batting ninth 
you probably in 60 games aren't even interested in just because of the, you know, if, if again, um, John MLB moving averages, he actually did an article on this recently on, you know, the actual drop off between even the sixth hitter in a lineup and the ninth hitter in the lineup for, for at bats in a 60 game season. It's a big deal. So him batting first is crazy. So Jeff, um, Cesar Hernandez, is he someone, um, little, you know, a little bit of average speed is, is he someone that's kind of perked your, your ears a bit? Yeah, this is a great move for him um, in his value. He's always been a good on-base per scene. He had some issues last year, but he's always been healthy when he's with the Phillies. He usually gave you around like 10 to 10 home runs, 15 steals. He's just kind of a nice, great option at second base if you missed on. Like if you need to fill second base late, he's a perfectly good option. Um, he It'll be interesting to see how quick he moves up. In one of the drafts that happened last night, um, with the news that came out, he went around pick 200. So that's um, quite a bit. And he was moved up r- across the board. So people definitely noticed this in the at-bats. Like this is just a great player. And Mercado's value just gets crushed by this. Um, I don't know if there's enough time for Mercado to move back. I think he may be a better leadoff option than Hernandez. But with a month, I just don't know when it's going to happen. So Mercado... Like I said, he just got the steals. He's not going to have the at-bats. He's not going to have everyone hitting behind him. I mean, they're going to put all those power hitters. So he could be hitting from seventh to ninth and probably seventh in that lineup. I just don't know. He's rosterable, but it's going to have to be late. I'm trying to figure out like who to compare him to, and maybe I can come up with someone here. He probably won't go late enough. And the thing is, if you're batting seventh in that lineup, if I have Mercado and I, I roster him, I kind of want him to bat ninth instead. <laughs> At that point, I mean, we already said the difference between six and ninth, but for a guy like Mercado who's looking to steal bases and score runs, I think I'd rather have him in the double leadoff position than batting in front of Roberto Perez. Um, so yeah, it's an ugly, it's an ugly, ugly situation there. Um, uh, I, uh, so Cesar Hernandez, Chris, um, at, at second base, I, and not only him, how do you feel about the later options? Because in a 60 game season, you have like guys like Roughnet Odor, who I think has already hit like four or five home runs and whatever, who cares? But everyone keeps showing the, you know, home runs are fun to watch. But <laughs> if he could somehow put together a little hot streak, he, and this is not even joking, he quite legitimately could be a top three option in Roto. He could. I mean, as far as just power and speed, he can, he can kind of offer as much upside as anybody. Yeah. Second base kind of thins out quick if you don't get one of the, Top guys and like Altuve, Albies, Hura, it kind of dries up and there's a lot of variability, I think. And those mid to later round guys, like a lot could happen. I mean, there's, you know, so a lower guy like Odor or even Hernandez could end up being a really valuable piece at second base, in my opinion. Are you 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 interested in, uh, are you at all interested in trying to like punt the early guys, go elsewhere and try to take your flyer on one of the, these late second basements, or do you think they're too variable? Would you rather, would you rather just sew that up? I usually like to sew it up early just because the variability. And I feel like you can, there's other positions that I feel more comfortable with getting later, like outfield. And so stirring up second base early is a move that I like to make personally. But again, you, in a year you, gotta, like this, you gotta be, you gotta be weak somewhere. So you like outfield, Jeff, do you feel the same way? I think that seems to be where most people like to wait. Cause if you're drafting, it seems like you pretty much have to be weak somewhere. You you make a decision early in the draft, usually in the third to f- six rounds, where you probably cement yourself into thinking, okay, I know what I need to fix in the next few rounds after this. And you kind of resign yourself sometimes to knowing you may be weak somewhere. Is there a position more often than not that you feel the most comfortable being weak at and 
getting, you know, trying to fix at the end of drafts? Um, yeah, it's actually an approach I do with drafting is I start at the back and try to find some guys that I think are underrated. One is first base. I like like the CJ Crone, um, Hosmer. I'm trying to, there's four guys I like Voight and um, Christian Walker. Like I'm fine with them being my first baseman and they all go around the same time. So I usually wait out for like the last one or the second to last one of those. Um, outfield is another one. And the reason I like waiting on outfield so much is it's the only position that there's some speed guys and power guys only late. So if you're low on speed, you can add an outfielder with speed. But if it's like, if, like what I say with my first baseman, you're not going to add a first baseman with speed. They're, they're just not there. So I always like leaving those outfield options available. So, oh, if, do I need some power late? I can get Gritchick. If I need speed, um, I can add someone else. So that's Billy, the reason I use Billy Hamilton. Who's in? <laughs> yeah. I, just, I, I, I can't have bad hitters, but there's definitely some outfielders where they have a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think like Hunter Dozier would have at least some. The Sam Hilliard would be one where you could pick up some speed. But um, no, I usually kind of build it backwards. And there's a lot of like outfielders that I do, like I said, I really like. So that's one I usually wait on. And I usually wait on starters till then. It's like my, I usually get like five or six guys I like at the top. And those bottom three, I just stream to death. So that's where it's like, once I kind of get my core set, I know I'm not going to start those guys. So I'll just wait on them and then just draft pitching for, I've done it like eight rounds in a row. I'm with you on first base too, because especially with the DH guys like Kevin Crone, uh, Justin Smoke, who since Ryan Braun will probably not be hoarding in on first base, will probably get more of a look there. Like I'm not that they were better, you know, it's just someone tacked onto the end. We'll see if Crone gets at bats, but yeah, first base. I does. I do think I agree with you. It is does have some sneaky options. Um, although be it with risk, uh, moving over to the national league, uh, in the uh, in the American League East, Cole Hamels down with a tricep injury was already dealing with a little bit of injury in spring training 1.0. Um, he's a lot of his value was kind of tied to being a guy who could kind of give you 200 innings. That is kind of gone now, so he moves a little back further to the pack. With these kind of couple of injury concerns, uh, do you do either either of you still interested in him being a bargain? because he is going in a very unique area where there's a lot of intriguing guys. It's kind of a pick your poison area or the, you know, not that ADP ever should matter, but it's well out the window at that point where you could do whatever you feel like, uh, is Hamill's a target for you still, or if he ever was, <laughs> you're, a brave, you're a Braves fan, Chris. <laughs> I haven't been targeting him. Like you said, there's a lot of, some other intriguing options. And now second injury since the spring it's, it's concerning, um, not, he may end up being a streaming option potentially. I don't know. I don't, I just don't think he's, he doesn't, he, I thought he had some stuff left in the tank for this year, but now just with age, his, his body just doesn't seem to be handling it well. So there are concerns. Um, and now the Braves kind of have a hole in the rotation and they have the depth, but with, with Felix Hernandez and now Hamels, there's, there's some intriguing options, I think in the Braves rotation with Kyle Wright and Sean Newcomb and Bryce Wilson. I'm kind of afraid that the Braves want to use like Josh Tomlin, but I think those fourth and fifth spots in the Braves rotation could end up being like piggyback options between those guys. And so, you know, I'd like to see Ian Anderson get a chance, but he's not on the 40 man. And I think he needs some more seasoning in, how many, in the how minors. Many guys the, uh, how many guys do the Braves put on their 60 so far? Do we know? I'm, I'm not totally sure on, on the numbers. No, I know a lot of teams were leaving some extra room so they didn't have to like take people off. Um, but um uh, 
Jeff, what do you kind of think of uh, Hamels in general? Who do you like moving into? Do you like anyone moving into that Braves rotation spot? Is there anyone like uh, that you like Kyle Wright that you are targeting there? Or is there any th- anyone that stands out to you? No, I'm kind of staying away from that situation. I didn't like when they said that they're going to be piggybacking a lot of their guys to start with, limiting the wins. Um, so I'd just rather take a chance on some of the other ones. Like almost everyone that went that's been going after him, I'm more interested in. Like I'm just not on Hamels. Shoemaker's going after him. I'm more interested there. Voth's going after him. Interested there. Kyle Gibson, definitely more interested. Chris Bassett, more interested. So there's other pitchers like – from where he's going that I'm interested in. And I'm not going to, with just other options, I'm not going to enter the season with someone that's hurt. Just, it's a hard pass for me. Yep. I totally agree. Speaking of entering the season, we're completely backtracking here, but he's a very interesting name at the very top of draft still. How do you guys feel about Blake Snell? He had a barking elbow, had an off season last year. People were really hoping for a big bounce back this season. We know his Cy Young year metrically was a little above his head. He was going to regress there, but how do you feel about someone who's not actually injured, but you know, a pitcher like him, like Griffin Canning is obviously a, a much later one, but we're talking about someone you're paying up for in, in Blake Snell uh, with that. Does that bother you going into a short season with someone who already kind of had a barking elbow issue uh, in spring training one Oh, I'm completely off of it. him and his value. I would have to move him down uh, after Jose Barrios. And that's not, He'll be someone will take him by then. I think I, haven't, that, I haven't seen him get a much of a discount. I, I've seen him basically yeah, going. So that's like, what I mean. I will take Morton over him. I would take Grinky over him. I'm just that elbow worries me so much, and he's had the problems with it. I'm just a hard pass at his current value. He's kind of just like I kind of just removed him from my draft board because someone will take him. I guess I maybe I'll keep him to see if he drops, but it's just the drop hasn't happened. I had the I had a decision to make between him and Frankie Montas. I took Frankie Montas. Was happy to do it. So I mean, that's where I land on this. Uh, Chris, any any differing opinion? Yeah, similarly with uh, with you guys and with other injury prone players. And I just can't pay up for somebody like that. That's gonna. I know he's not technically starting the season injured, but he's been injured. His elbows bothered him. He seems to be pretty polarizing among like the fantasy community. Either you love his value or you hate the value <laughs> no in between there. I'm, and I'm out on the price. I can't, can't pay up for, for the potential to not pitch a full season in a shortened season. All right. The, uh, the American league or the national league central, uh, the Cincinnati reds, <laughs> another person can not seem to not be injured. Nick Senzel hyper extended elbow who finally had an opportunity opened up for him with the DH Nick Castellanos, who apparently publicly says he doesn't want a DH too bad. Be better at fielding <laughs> if you don't want a DH. Uh, but the Reds, I mean, Aquino, they, I don't know if they have something against this poor guy. They're not even putting him on the team. Uh, Senzel had the opportunity. I mean, it looked like he was probably going to win the center field job, and now he has a hyperextended elbow. Uh, same thing with Blake Snell. Obviously, with a pitcher and elbow, it's it's completely different, so I shouldn't say same thing. But a guy who's going in injured but at a, at a discount is Nick Senzel someone that you also wipe off your board. I mean, there's enough question marks in this season anyway, but at, at, at his range, which is significantly later, do you, uh, do you give more leash in that area, Jeff, or is this someone you were also kind of deleting? Um, I'm not deleting him, but I owned him everywhere. I kind of liked his combination last year and um, he was a pain to own. And he just kind of seems to be in this, almost call it like Ryan Braun approach where he's like hurt, but you don't know if he's going to play and how much production you're going to get. He's just very high maintenance. And um, 
it's just not someone I want to deal with this year. And like I said, I'm probably biased because I just dealt with it last year. So someone else's opinion might be better. <laughs> Chris, you're someone uh, else. <laughs> it's tough. I, I really want to love Nixon Zell. And there's so much potential there, we know. But he's just, again, the injuries continue. We know he's got the vertigo issue. And it's just it's just been tough on him, man. Um, he's going late enough where you can take a risk, but I still don't want to take a risk. Um, he's obviously got the talent there. He's made some swing changes this offseason. It was just mashing baseballs and in the intra-squad games. He looked really good. But, again, I'm, I'm avoiding him for 2020 just – based on what what we know. I'd rather, again, look for somebody there that I feel better about giving me production throughout this shortened season rather than him potentially missing a few weeks and it tanks your value there. But I, I think he's getting in a range where he's getting to be a good buy low in dynasty leagues, mm-hmm. which so, but for 2020, I'm probably out. I had, I, I'm, a, I'm actually the exact opposite of Jeff. I have, I had never owned Senzel before uh, because people were, it was a little hype last year and he was just going a little above where I was paying. I wasn't avoiding him. He just went a little above where, you know, I just never, he just never got to me this year after the DH was announced. I kind of been loading up on him because he was going so late. I don't know how I feel about it after the hyperextended elbow. I, I probably will not be investing forward, uh, but you know, Hey, I, I'm, I'm kind of pot committed at this point. So hopefully Nick Senzel comes <laughs> back. Uh, the last team we're going to talk about is the San Francisco giants. Well, let's go out with a bang with the most offensive. <laughs> team we just lost everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ne- next pod. They just forwarded. <laughs> uh, Buster Posey opts out, uh, you know, definitely stay safe. You know, he obviously he adopted a couple of children. If you, you know, he has a very good reason to opt out. Um, the big question is, what are the Giants going to do? Should you care? More importantly, uh, Russell Wilson or not Russell Wilson? That would be fantastic <laughs> if Russell Wilson. Uh, can't even think of his real name now. Who are we talking about? Russell Martin. Russell Martin is available in free agency. That is an option if they want to go that route. Uh, they can always just decide to go with a you know current depth, which would be obviously kind of a big zero um you know if they want to you know kind of throw tyler heineman out there but the interesting name is joey bart um i actually got into an argument with a little bit of a a few of the scouting guys who apparently that's just something i do everyone loves joey bart i love joey bart i think he's gonna hit he looks like he's gonna be a good catcher but uh he's had like less than 100 plate appearances above like a ball and he's a rookie catcher for a bad team uh he will probably be their best hitter or second best hitter upon promotion but catcher is pretty i shouldn't say it's deep right because it's not but there's basically between catcher five and 15 they could kind of finish in any order so i just don't know why i'd be excited about joey bart because yeah, I could see him going on a hot streak, but you can also see him being almost a, a zero because rookie catcher, it could it could be rough for him. Do either of you disagree? Because there seems to be people that are like, oh, this is going to be great. Definitely go grab Joey Bard in leagues. You know, I only think you should go grab Joey Bard if you happen to own Buster Posey. So Jeff, <laughs> Joey Bard, any excitement here in his rookie season if he gets the job, which he doesn't even have yet? Um, I have none. I think San Francisco won. He is their best option. But why are they going to waste the year of control for him? So at least you're going to have to wait a week. Well, the problem is if you wait a week, even if their plan is to bring him up, they got four games against the Dodgers. They could be 0-4 after four games. And then they head into some more. They had the Padres and Rangers afterwards, which they could come back from. But if they're not competitive, there's no 
absolutely, they're just not going to bring him up. So I think, first of all, the Giants have to be competitive and um, kind of see where they stand. So it's going to be like a couple weeks into the season before they'll know. And um, maybe then that they can bring him up, like if they have that run like they had last year where they kind of got back in the playoffs. But I don't, I have no desire to own him. And I, if he comes up, for those with bad catchers, people can throw a lot of money on him. And also when he comes up, how much is hitting is he going to work on? I mean, his number one key is going to be working with the, with the starters, at least in his mind. So I'm just not too – not keen on having a guy that's on a catcher that's only been to double a and we'll have to just kind of jump up here. Chris, I'm going to throw it to you with the caveat that let's assume let's, they, they, they announced later today. Let's just say they announced he's the, he's the guy they're going to go with him. You know, that, that they're just going to, you know, whatever they're going to give it to him. Even if the, even if we know like, all right, um, you know, they're going to give him a little bit of time and we, he's, but basically he's going to be the guy, maybe you miss a week, but you know, he, he will be the guy. What is your interest there as far as if he's getting at bats, how do you think he can perform? I think he can perform, but I don't know if he's ready. Like you said, he's he's only played 22 games in double A. So he, he really hasn't been well seasoned. We know he's a good hitter. He's he's good all around, you know. But in this kind of season, it's tough because anybody, any catcher could go on a hot streak and, and be valuable. I think in like an NFBC format where you're – Whereas two catcher, 15 team, he, he's probably a guy that you take late. But in a standard like Roto League, like 12 team, I'm one catcher. I'm probably like he's not going to be a guy that I think is going to contribute or be be valuable, in my opinion. Here's, here's, a, here's a scenario for you both. Who would you rather have? 12 team, one catcher gets to you. Joey, who would you rather have? Joey Bart or Kurt Suzuki? Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> I actually, tough. I did my projections with Bart playing every day. And I have him pretty much as Kurt Suzuki, like which is like with like six. That's six home runs. That's kind of where I have him, which is why I think he'll probably go before him, which is why I'd be out. But well, Kurt Suzuki's not even draftable. And like I was looking at my rankings, like on a twelve or fifteen teamer, like I've got him in like the late teens. So he's kind of almost a second catcher. So like Bart, well, yeah, that's why I throw him at the catch- end. Like it's your last option. Like who <laughs> would you rather? Like oh uh, crap, I forgot to draft a catcher. Who am I grabbing? Like Danny Jansen's gone. Yadier Molina's gone. I'm stuck with these two. Now he wouldn't, he would be someone I would take a shot on as like my last, if it's like a one catcher last thing. So you could move to the next best catcher. Mm. And like, maybe in that scenario I would like, Oh, I'm going to just stream them and go that route and see what sticks. Yeah. So, but if it's someone like I have to count on, like if he's gonna be my number one, I would like to have to have someone else. And especially like in a 15 team two catcher league, um, maybe you'll take a chance and then stream that last spot. But I don't know in this season if you're actually going to find – by the time you find someone, the season may be over. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough spot. I, don't, I just don't see Bart being a guy that I'm trying to get on my rosters for 2020. Oh, I was hoping someone would stand up for him, and it didn't <laughs> happen. For, sorry, Giants There's man. plenty of people on Twitter that would be glad to do that for you. Oh, I've, I've been having the conversation. So, uh, yeah, that uh, that does it for this episode. That is pretty much all the news. Is there anything I missed? I mean, I, I've, there's a lot of stuff that happened over the weekend. We're waiting to get some games going here. We got the everyone streaming their uh, their inner squad games, which is just bizarre. Everyone high-fiving thin air, which is pretty fun. Uh, any final thoughts before we sign off on the first, I guess, the relaunch of, uh, of Turn 2? Uh, starting with you, Jeff, uh, any, any interesting thoughts you want to leave with the listeners? Um, it's the main thing is just kind of keep up with the news. What's going on. How many, like some of the pitching counts, some of these 
there's a lot of news out that initially came out, like the starters aren't going to be going very long. And a lot of these guys are already throwing 80 plus pitches. So I think what everyone had thought was going to happen with a lack of um, like pitchers just aren't going to be able to get wins. I think really kind of look in there and I think you can find some advantages as the news starts coming out. You got Lance Lynn out there throwing like complete games <laughs> in this in spring trading here. It's crazy. Uh, Chris, um, where can uh, let everyone know where they can find you? Uh, you sure. I know you have other work you want to plug. Jeff, we'll go obviously go back to you. You have so much cool stuff. <laughs> um, but Chris, yeah, tell everyone where they can find you and any final thoughts you have. Yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Roto Clegg, C L E G G. Um, keep up with all my work there, contributing a couple different places. And so, Got some stuff in the works over the next few weeks. I'm excited that baseball will be back. And like Jeff said, keep up with the news. That is so important because stuff is changing rapidly every day. And so there's such an advantage to you as a fantasy player. If you keep up and you you know what's happening, it, it gives you a big advantage. So keep up with all the all the news and the notes from all around summer camp. It gives you a leg up for sure. If, if only there was a person that would aggregate this information <laughs> in one place for us. Jeff, do, do, you know of, do you know of any place where we could find this information? Yeah, I actually was working on it when um, I had to come on the podcast. So, um, yeah, over at Fangraphs, I'll have Mining the News out as soon as I finish going through it. And uh, I would really recommend it to read it on Verlander. I'm going to throw a lot of cold water on him. Oh, uh, no. Yes. I, I, refuse to, I refuse to read it. Yes. It's, 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 um, was able to pull out a lot of stuff that um, I was the, it, I was the person that took him the second round last night. And I don't know if I would do that now. So um, no, um there. And then also at red fanatic, um, I'll be working on a piece this week on some guys that you can draft to stream. Like you just know you're going to drop them in the first week, but they have a really nice matchup and it, and I'm probably going to drive into like the first two weeks. Like this is a guy you have, you know, you've got a good matchup and then you can kind of figure out how the depth charts are playing out. All right. Now you can follow me at uh, Twitter at Matt Williams, M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Just put out a new article on Roto Fanatic um, called The Quest for 400. I go through uh, all the data and, and go through all the hitters that I think have a real shot, a real shot, most realistic shot of hitting 400. And the caveat being, these are not bets to win the batting title. That is a different thing to win. To bat 400, you need more than skill. You need skill and you need like skill-based luck. So um, there's some interesting names in there at the top and both left off. So I encourage you to go check that out. It's a fun thing to talk and think about. And you can learn a lot about how BABIP can drive uh, a batting average and what kind of players you can target that can actually carry a high BABIP over time. Uh, so yeah, definitely check out rotofanatic.com. Follow the show at Turn2Podcast. We love hearing from you. Uh, good, bad, indifferent. Tell us what you want to hear more of, less of. Definitely rate and review the show. We love hearing all feedback. So uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the Turn2 Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday as we'll be going on with two shows a week from uh, here until the end of the season. So for uh, for myself, Jeff, and Chris, thank you for listening, and we'll be back Thursday. See you, everybody. My, oh, my. Coach, I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turned two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it?
turn two. Turn two, what it do? Win leaks. Catch out. Catch out.